We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scores table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. This is part two of the episode Alex and I recorded on Wednesday evening. We'll get into our final votes for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved, all that, uh, assuming that even when the NBA returns, uh, the voting period for those awards is likely over. With that in mind, we'll also name our three All-NBA teams, get into some honorable mentions, and then we'll finish up with some fantasy talks. So without further ado, let's get to it. So operating under the assumption that the regular season is virtually over, um, that there's that would mean that all the award races are pretty much over. So given what we know right now, you know, we're cutting the season off at, you know, whatever it is, the the game like 65-ish mark for most teams. Uh let's just go through the awards. We've we've talked about these in recent weeks. I don't think there'll be a ton of surprises, but uh we'll kind of put a bow on what seems like it'll be the end of the regular season. So we'll we'll go through the the individual awards and then we'll do our our all NBA teams. But let's start with let's start with rookie of the year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh I mean, Ja has that locked up, right? Like, no question. Look, Kobe White, uh, yes, it's going to be Ja Morant for me. I, I do think that, you know, when we actually see the votes, I, I feel like some people will give Zion a first-place vote. I hope not. He's played, he played like 19 games. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, even 19 out of 65. Like, that's – you can't do that. I know. I know. I, and I wouldn't either. It's just not enough. Um, but I, I – I do think we'll get there'll be like three or four people who do it, but I, I think it's going to be Morant in a landslide. Do you think Zion has played enough games to finish second? Yeah, I think people will feel comfortable voting him second. I think um, you know, obviously, like the question is how far do you take that games played argument? Yeah, like you, some people might say, well, if he if he if he's not qualified for first, why should he be qualified for second? Right, why should exactly. he be qualified for third? Why should he even be on the ballot at all? Yep. Um, but why should I think, he, I why like should from, even be in the NBA? Why? This, guy, this guy can't stay on the floor. <laughs> Rookie? Question mark. <laughs> should he just uh, not even play basketball anymore? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don Williams is going to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I uh, No, I think 
I don't know. I, I think I would vote him second. I think most people still will. Cause I think what you've seen from him is so overwhelmingly that he, I think he's the, the second best rookie in the class. Um, and I know, I think it's, I think it's partially helped because the class in general is so weak. Yeah, no, I think that's the main thing. Uh, I think, I mean, the, the fact that there's not even a clear number three behind those guys and the number two guys played 19 games is, is the biggest thing. I think if it was, if this was a year when, you know, we really felt good about a lot of these guys, um, you know, even like look at last year, for example, like I'm, I'm sorting by value and, you know, you had Luca obviously won it, Trey Young behind him and he had a drop off, but you still had like Mitchell Robinson, whose stock was very high at the time. SGA was coming off a great year. DeAndre Ayton statistically was really good. Uh, and even guys like McCall Bridges, Jaron Jackson, like you felt really good about a lot of those guys. Like, I think if you throw Zion in that grouping, he might finish like fifth in the balloting, even if he had the same kind of production, because I, I think, I think some voters would say, yeah, you know, SGA looked really good, but his, his 82 games of 11 points and three assists were more valuable than Zion's 19 games of 20 points and eight rebounds, you know, but there's just nobody, you know, like there's just nobody else to, to fill in that spot. So I would be okay voting him second. I think I would vote him second, but uh, I, I think, you know, there's, there is the argument that I think some people just won't put him on their ballot at all because of the lack of games played. Yeah, I agree. Does anyone stick out for you as the third place guy? Whew. You know, I, I think, I think Brandon Clark for a while would have been my pick, but even he, you know, he ended up missing a few games prior to the shutdown. I think he might end up being helped by the fact that, you know, the season probably cuts off where it does because I think he was going to miss a couple more weeks. So, but he's played 50 games. He'd be up there for me. Uh, PJ Washington is a guy that I, I feel like is playing better, but then you look at the numbers and they're, they're a little bit underwhelming. You know, he got off of that hot start and kind of was on cruise control since then. Uh, yeah. Kobe white was playing really well before the shutdown. I think if, if that had played out, he was probably going to start the rest of the year uh, based on based on how they had, had made that move, sending Sadoransky to the bench. I think he maybe could have played his way into that third spot, but it's, it's pretty bleak, man. Like even, even someone like Tyler hero, you know, who had really played well early on, he missed so much time. Yeah. I, I don't know. To answer your question. No, there's not a clear number three. I think, yeah, I agree with you though. I think if the rest of the season played out, I think, Kobe White probably would have secured the number three because his last nine games was 26 points on 20 shots plus, you know, four and a half assists, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that would have been enough to push him over Kendrick Nunn, who has been like, Kendrick Nunn came out hot, and a lot of that was like, who is Kendrick Nunn? Um, he came out of nowhere, but he had he's had some points in the year where he hasn't looked great. Um, but I think, I think for me, Nunn is number three, just he's just kind of been there the whole time and he's played, yeah. you know, he, he has like a good, he goes on like these 10 game runs um, where he looks really good or like eight game runs. And I agree, like Brandon Clark, I'm as high on Brandon Clark as anybody. Um, but it's, it's hard for me to necessarily, I, I don't think I could put him over Kendrick Nunn and I'm not sure I could put him over. I don't know. I, I he has an argument for four, maybe over like Kobe white, but I think it, for me, those are the only, uh, those are the only guys in contention for three. I don't, I, I don't think Hachimura is, is in discussion, even not even considering his games played. I don't think Tyler Hero is. No. He's been good, but not that good. RJ Barrett, I don't even think is a discussion. Um, I also looked at PJ Washington, uh, and I was, I just, I don't think there's an argument for him. No, it's one of those years. I, I think you you put it really well with none, where he's just been steady. He's been steadily okay for long enough that it, it seems like, you know, I mean, he, he's kind of like the Malcolm Brogdon uh, when, when Brogdon won it, you know, the year that Embiid was hurt, where it was just like, look, Dario Sarge has maybe had some highs that were a little bit higher, but he, I think he ended up finishing third that year. Brogdon at, at that point in his career, you know, was still very much just like a very good role player. And, you know, it was impressive as a rookie, but I think what did he average like 12 and five and the fact that he just yeah. played a lot of games and never really had bad games. It seemed maybe he didn't have great games, uh, but that's kind of what none has done. And I, I think he's, he's the guy that you can't really poke holes in, you know, whereas someone like Barrett is like he, his bad games are really, really bad. And someone like um, Kobe white, for example, like, yeah, he's scoring 26 points per game, but he's shooting like 40% from the field, you know, at least with none, it's like, there's no major flaws. Uh, so I, I think he's pretty safely, Number three for me, I think White will get some votes. You know, Barrett had come on a little bit before the shutdown. Uh, but overall, 
pretty depressing rookie class so far. Uh, my question to you, and this will be in the the staff roundtable that that'll be up on the site tomorrow morning. Which of these rookies outside of Zion and Morant, like who do you who could you actually see taking a big step forward? Because somebody's going to. This isn't just going to be a two man class, and we never hear from the rest of these guys again. Maybe it'll come in year three, but who who could you see next year becoming a much better player? You know, a guy who we just really didn't see this leap coming. I think well, I think Clark is one of those guys, and I think if you locked me long enough in quarantine, I could make an argument for him as the number three rookie. But he's been, I mean, he's it's you know he's kind of fallen under the he's in the shadow of like Morant um, on the Grizzlies, and he, I mean, he is like he gets off the ground. Like in the round table, in the response, I compare his ability to get off the ground to similar to Zion. Like he gets off the ground so quickly and so high that it's like shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, He's extremely efficient scorer. His true shooting percentage is fourth best in the NBA. Um, He's not amazing on defense, but obviously the potential is there with his athleticism. Um, Also Cam Reddish out of nowhere. Um, I was not expecting Cam Reddish to have, in my opinion, a better rookie year than R.J. Barrett. All right. But I, all right. I, well, I don't well. know if I'd go that far. I, I will say I should probably stop calling him Scam Reddish, though. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not. He's not like an amazing playmaker. He's not amazing on offense, but he's. I didn't realize he was six eight, and he yeah. showed some pretty good defensive upside. He can guard potentially four positions. Um, the Hawks have a positive net rating when he's on the court, plus two point yep. seven. Um, I'll give you this. So Cam, Cam Reddish's last 23 games, so a little bit of cherry picking, but this goes back to mid-January through uh, the last game on March 11th. 14 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 46% shooting, 42% from three on over five attempts a game. Yeah, I mean, he's been, you know, he's been a legitimate rotation player for the, for the Hawks. and someone who looks like he could be kind of a sixth man for them. Uh, because they kind of have their starting five. Seems like they have their starting five mapped out yeah. for next year. And I think Reddish has kind of shown uh, that he can be a, kind of a spark plug off the bench. Occasionally he can get hot shooting the ball, and he's going to play good defense. And I think both of those things will keep someone on the court. And when you talk about like potential breakouts, fantasy or, or, or otherwise, I think those are just important. I think those are both yeah. important factors. I think to be trending in the right direction, you know, obviously the season was cut short in a bizarre way, but to, to be like, you never want to be the guy who plays really well the first 40 games and then is terrible the last 40, you know, like Reddish is kind of on a much smaller scale. He's kind of been, he's followed the Trey Young trajectory where, I mean, Trey Young was legitimately the worst player in the league for like the first half of last year. And then by the end of the year, like at no, like if, if somebody would have said in mid December, like, yeah, Trey Young is going to make it a legit rookie of the year debate with this guy, you know, Luca is just putting up you know, basically triple doubles every single night, that would have sounded crazy. And he made it a legitimate debate. And I'm not saying Reddish was going to take that kind of leap and he's going to come back and be averaging 25 a game and look like the next Jason Tatum next year. But he was at least trending in the right direction. And that's that's worth something. You know my pick is going to be Barrett. I don't even have to explain <laughs> yes, it at this point. Like he's, he's, if, he already might be a superstar. Uh, but he was, he's not on the, he was not on the <laughs> same kind of trajectory as, as Reddish, unfortunately. However, if you, if you wouldn't mind uh, just humoring me for a little bit here, I will. His last 12 games, 17 points, 4.6 rebounds. We'll round that up to five. 2.8 assists, 0.9 steals, shooting a whopping 44% from the field, and better yet, 67% at the line. So okay, um, those, those are the facts. I uh, I will I will concede that his uh, passing has been better lately. He's been a better playmaker lately. Yes. Um, the efficiency is horrifying. Like, really, um, really bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes the numbers lie, you know? I mean, <laughs> the free throw shooting is concerning. I will say that. We, yeah, I mean, a little bit, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the biggest thing part of it. That's concerning, yeah. and the fact that, you know, like, I'm not really concerned that he's shooting 32% from three. Like, most rookie guards struggle from three. He's openly said he's shooting with the wrong hand and doesn't seem to care, like, what, that seems like something that should be a bigger issue, but 32% for three doesn't bother me. The, the free throw shooting is, is just the, atrocious. The, That's unacceptable. I, I agree with you. I, think, I do think the, which is, we've said this about so many players, if he can hit his free throws, that opens up a ton of his game because his, if you look at his, if you look at his stats, he shoots 
48% of his shots at the rim, which is a huge number mm-hmm. uh, for, for like a wing slash guard player. And according to clean the glass, he gets fouled on 14% of his shot attempts, which is the 91st percentile for wing players. And his, his percentage of non-shooting fouls drawn per team plays in the 80th percentile as well. And he's pretty good at converting and ones. So the, he's getting to the rim. He's, he's yeah. breaking people down. People are hacking him. Uh, and he, he just can't make the free throw. So I agree yeah. with you. If he can start hitting those, then that unlocks his game. And then he can become a, uh, a legitimate, <laughs> someone you would actually play in a playoff series. A real star. Yes. I, I yeah. will say on an, on an actual serious note, I would rather it be that than like last year, or two years ago, I should say, we saw Lonzo have the same kind of struggles at the free throw line to an even severer degree. I mean, Barrett's at least over 60%, which I know is not like an accomplishment by any means. But like Lonzo was in like the 40s, you know? And he was he was so bad that he just didn't drive. And you could see right. it was obvious, you know, even if you weren't looking for it, like this guy does not want to get fouled. And I, I mean, I guess maybe we could say like, wow, I love Barrett's confidence. Like this guy knows he's not going to make the free throw and he still wants to get there. Like at least he's not just like completely avoiding it altogether is, is what I'm trying to say. And I... I would imagine he won't go his entire career shooting 60%, but again, there's, no. there are not many guards who come in as that poor of shooters and then really develop, you know, especially we've, we've seen people do it, but usually it's like, Oh, they get into their low thirties and they finally figured out like it's year over year. You don't see a guy shoot 61% and then all of a sudden he's an 80% shooter. Yeah. Cause Barrett, I mean, Barrett's other option is just figuring out the three point shot. Cause that's what Lonzo did. Lonzo, yeah. Lonzo actually goes to the rim less this year right. than he did last year. But he's also shooting, you know, like thirty nine percent on threes. So you know, Lonzo opens this game up. Obviously, Lonzo's great. Yeah. A ton of other things. But he, yeah, he has, I, a, he has a free throw rate this year of point one zero seven. <laughs> I mean, that is Lonzo Ball has played almost two thousand or over eighteen hundred minutes. I shouldn't round up that oh much. He's played eighteen hundred and seventeen minutes, and he's taken sixty seven free throws. Well. Ugh, little, I really little, don't little, get to a little, little, Yeah, I mean, it's not really an attack. We've, if anything, we've praised him. He's been great this year, but that's, no, I, that's a glaring, I really like glaring hole. Yeah, same here. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. You want a true classic? This is what you want to order. Wild Turkey, Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly. Uh, MVP. I, I assume it's Giannis for you. It's Giannis. Yep. I, I I think we're both in the camp that even even if you know as it seemed that the tides had shifted, you know, I guess was that three weeks ago already uh, when LeBron you know kind of led led the Lakers over the Bucks and the Clippers in a matter of three days. Uh, I still think he had a huge climb to make, and it would have required Giannis to miss more games, which it didn't seem like he was going to. And LeBron would have had to just go on this insane run. And a lot of people forget they had, the last game that the Lakers played, they lost at home to the Nets. So some of the momentum that they had built up, I, I think, had kind of died with that game. And I, I just think it was unlikely that LeBron was going to truly close the gap. I think some voters were going to vote for LeBron. It seemed like no matter what, you know, a lot of people basically had made up their mind as soon as the Lakers beat the bucks uh, on that Friday night game. But I, I think without the ability to even, I mean, maybe there was a 10 or 20% chance LeBron went crazy and, and he actually did close the gap. Now he won't have that opportunity. I, I think, I think the NBA, even if they don't play out the season would still hand out this award probably. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like no matter what happens, the end of the season awards are still going to get yeah. voted on. Right. Yeah. And, and we, you know, unless they say, OK, we're going to we're going to include the playoffs in our MVP voting to make up for the lack of games, which, again, I don't think they would do unless that happens. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Giannis, you know, 70, 70 percent of the first place votes, if not more. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks are just too good and he is too singularly the He's he's so singularly a part of that. Obviously, other yeah. players on the Bucks are good. They have a good starting five. You know, other guys, Boogenholz is a great coach. But um, you can point to him as the reason the Bucks are dominant as much, if not more, than you could point to the reason that the yep. Lakers are are good. Do you have Do you have a ballot? Like, if you had to rank one through five. Um. Yeah. I mean, do you? I, I guess I'm looking at yours right now. Do you think Harden is firmly number three? No, definitely not. I, okay. I I think 
I think Giannis and LeBron are firmly one and two in that order. And then I think this is a year where you some people would put Davis third, some people would put Kawhi third, some people would put Doncic third, others would put Harden. Um, and it would be one of those years where like the accumulation of the you know second, third, fourth, fifth place votes kind of end up deciding the order. But I, I would go Giannis, LeBron, Harden, Kawhi, Doncic, Davis. I think that's fair. I feel like the the like move. I feel like the Rockets move to small ball and Russell Westbrook like emerging has like destroyed Harden's MVP case entirely. Like I I don't even feel like we acknowledge sure. Harden anymore. Like I feel like anytime. Anytime someone talks about the Rockets, they're talking about Westbrook now. Yeah. It's suddenly become Westbrook's team. And Harden's still been good, but, you know, since the break, not amazing. Like, no. He's, it's, it's, his stats right now since the All Star break 30 points, obviously good, but 42% from the field, 32% from three. No, neither of those numbers are good. Uh, gets to the free throw line enough, 81% from free throw line, but that's still not like incredible. Yep. And then it's 7.6 assists to 4.4 turnovers. So that's, he's kind of tanked his MVP case lately. Um, yeah, and- I, I don't disagree with that. And, and that's part of the reason that he's third and not really in the race for first or second. But I, I, like I said, I fully expect a lot of people to maybe not even have him in the top five because of that. But I mean, the current counter argument is his first 25 games, he was averaging 39 points per game on 45% shooting, you know, and right. if, if it had been reversed, you know, if he, if he's going on the streak now, I think maybe we'd be talking about him, you know, as, as the guy who could catch Giannis, but you know, unfortunately for him, it, it happened earlier in the season and it coincided with Giannis having that crazy start. Um, but no, I agree. I mean, it's, he has not been that guy for the last like 20 games. And, and you know, that, again, that's part of the reason that I don't think he's a, a true contender for to actually win the award right and i think i think on any of these ballots i i don't know i i would have a hard time putting davis any higher than four um sure i mean i i understand you know i think Kawhi is guaranteed a top five spot Doncic, um i think i mean personally i think Doncic is like 90 percent of the offensive player harden is mm-hmm. and so i mean what he's been doing for the mavericks is again like obviously everybody praises Doncic. Everybody thinks Doncic is amazing, but we it's it's not really getting. I feel like it's just not being covered that they are they have the same amount of wins, or they have like they have only three fewer wins than the Nuggets. They only have four fewer wins than the Clippers. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I I, I think I think all five of those guys that you listed, or all I guess all four of these guys competing for the final four spots. Um. Could really be in almost any order. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Coach of the year, we discussed this one. I think only a week or two ago, um, and I, I think we decided it's Nick Nurse. It seems like that's kind of where all the momentum is going. Yeah, I would vote Nurse and not really think twice about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally, the way I view this award, I don't think I would vote Nick Nurse. I think the way this goes historically, he will win it. Uh, but to me, I, I think like in the spirit of of this award, for me, I, I think like Billy Donovan, Scott Brooks, Taylor Jenkins are the kind of guys I would vote for. Um, sure. Nick Nurse, like, won the finals last year, you know? And I get that he lost yeah, a while, yeah. but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think he needs this. Uh, like, I feel like the job that he's done is is obviously very impressive. Again, lost Kawhi. But I think the job that Scott Brooks has done relative to the talent on his team, uh, you know, is more impressive to me. But that's just a personal opinion. I I don't know. I was, I was interested in the Scott Brooks thing. I... They, I feel like their preseason over under was like a little too high for like, I feel like they're as weird as that sounds like their preseason over under was 27 and they have 24 wins right now. Yeah. And so maybe theoretically they would get like three wins over that. And so I don't feel like that's too much of like a coach up job. Um, but they, they also dealt with like a ton of injuries. So Mm -hmm. on, on that front, I, I definitely understand I would be more. I, I would put Brooks last on this list. I think I would put. I agree with Don, Billy Donovan at number two. Um, if, I mean, if you look at the Thunder's like wing rotation and like backups, other than Dennis Schroeder and I've Nerlens has played well, but like it's a lot of Abdel Nader, it's a lot of Terrence Ferguson, it's a lot of Hamadou yep. Diallo. Um, getting a lot out of those guys, and then Taylor Jenkins, obviously. I mean, the Memphis. You know, some of that credit goes to John Morant, but I mean, at the same time. You know, they're already 
five wins over their over their preseason over under mm-hmm. um and getting you know getting respectable minutes out of like you know Dylan Brooks carrying parts of this team figuring out the the Valanciunas Jaron Jackson Brandon Clark <laughs> thing um yeah well that's Dylan Brooks uh, has had to navigate I think two times now this season he's been called out by one of his baby mamas on Instagram it just happened again this past <laughs> week I mean to, to kind of have to navigate that as a coach too is something something you have to consider it's a lot of yeah also just a lot of De'Anthony Melton Kyle Ooh, Anderson Josh Solomon Jackson Hill minutes you know, now Josh Jackson yeah he's played 18 games yeah. but I, I I'm talking more than even even the first half of the year Josh it looked like they were gonna keep cruising yeah Josh Jackson, comeback player of the year, right? I don't even know if the NBA hands out that award, but if they did, he, uh, he's been, I guess he's been good. I don't, I haven't. Well, I saw they I didn't pick up, they didn't pick up his option for next year, which I thought was strange. You know, to make that trade and then I mean, they didn't really give anything up for him, but to go through this entire process and you know make kind of a make, kind of make a big show of sending him to the G League and all that, and then to just not pick up the option when it seems like he's playing well, I, I thought it was weird. But so there's a chance they might end up losing him now in free agency. That is weird because they're yeah like, that they're playing little investment. Yeah. yeah, I mean he over his last five games before the shutdown, sixteen point six points per game on forty eight percent shooting in twenty minutes per game. He's been legitimately good. Yeah, defensive player of the year. I'm going Anthony Davis. Yeah, same here. Um, I feel like, I don't know. Um, I can't remember what, I was listening to a podcast and Davis didn't even get mentioned in the top three, I don't think. Um, but I think he's, I, th- I think he's a strong number one candidate. I wouldn't argue with anybody who voted for Giannis. I can still understand Embiid votes. I can still understand Gobert votes. Yep. Um, but for me right now, it's it's Anthony Davis. Just his defensive versatility uh, is, is a huge part of it. And, um, yeah, his, his steal and block numbers are, are crazy. So, yeah, I mean, most, most combined blocks and steals in the league, not, not that you really just sort by stats and that's how you cast your votes, but he's top five in the league and in, in block percentage, he's way up there, especially among big men in steal percentage. He's first among centers in that, or second among centers, I should say in that category behind only Drummond, uh, who, Weirdly, it just gets no love defensively, and I, I get it if you watch him. But like his defensive stats year after year are off the charts, and he's just never mentioned in these conversations at all. He's fifth in defensive win shares. Davis is second in that category. Giannis is first by a pretty good margin in in defensive win shares. So I think that's something that that some people will take into consideration. Um, but it, it feels like another year where Giannis wins MVP. He could win both, but the fact that there's another player with a pretty strong case, I, I think it'll, it'll kind of default to Davis. Another player with a strong case on a team that deserves to win a award, you know, sure. like uh, someone's got to win something from the Lakers. And so Davis for defensive player of the year, uh, I think just kind of falls in line here. Yeah. And I mean, the Lakers have been fantastic on defense. They're third in defensive rating. And yeah. I think they're, they're one of those teams that, that you watch and like, you just, you can just tell they have it turned on defensively. And maybe it's just the difference in watching LeBron this year versus the last eight years. But I mean, they, they, the numbers back it up and they, they look like a defense that you just don't want to face, um, based on the way that they play, uh, most improved player. This is one we've talked a ton about this year and a ton of candidates. And it, you know, that the pool has kind of been whittled down a little bit from even like a month or two ago when it seemed like there were 10 guys you could make a case for. I I'm starting to feel like it's going to be Brandon Ingram fairly easily, even though I think in a lot of years, Adebayo wins this easily. Yeah. Adebayo kind of gets. Uh, kind of gets screwed here by by Ingram, um, but I he's yeah Ingram is basically he's jumped from not that Autobio hasn't but jumped from okay maybe this this guy's definitely a rotation player he's probably a starter to uh, he's he's definitely an all star like, no question definitely an all star will be competing for all NBA teams probably going forward um, and I, I I think it would be fair to say Autobio hasn't done that. Uh, but Ingram, Ingram's done it in, in such a significant way. Um, and I don't know, he's, he's improved as, uh, as a scorer from a ton of places on the court. He, I, I don't know how you guard his shot when he pulls up from the mid range. It's, I hate when people say it's like it's this KDS cause there's KD is incredible, but the, the way he rises up and his arms are so much higher than anyone else. He can get that shot basically whenever he wants. If he gets someone on their heels and, um, his passing's improved. His defense has improved. Um, I, I just think, you know, despite the 
Pelicans not having that great of a season. I guess that's the argument against Ingram is the Heat are actually winning games, uh, right. and the the Pelicans haven't been as much. But I don't know. I feel like he was keeping them completely afloat, mm-hmm. um, and I guess just I don't know. He's he his his improvement's crazy. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I completely unexpected too. I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of these guys that that are on the list. You know, for me, like Adebayo, um, Sabonis, Doncic, they went from being good to really good. Ingram went from being like average to really good, if not great, borderline great. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he'll end up winning that fairly easily. Uh, do you want to get to all NBA? Sure. Okay. I will give you my first team first. Uh, I have Anthony Davis at center, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo at the forwards, Luka Doncic and James Harden as the guards. Okay. I, uh, my, my main difference here is that I classified, um, I classified Anthony Davis as a forward because uh, he's just played most of his minutes there. And, and all NBAs, you know, every season that we get more into small ball or positionless basketball, listing these guys at what position they could play or do play is yeah. it, it gets tougher every single year. It's a crime um, that, they, that they still do it this way. They need to figure something else a out. Crime. Davis has, has uh, been named All NBA at both center and forward, so you're, you're good there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I went uh, basically as a result of me listing Anthony Davis as a forward. He's ended up on my second team. But first team center, I go Jokic. At the forwards, I go LeBron and Giannis. And then backcourt, I go Lillard and Harden. Uh, and I, I debated for a while between Lillard and Doncic as my first team guard, but I ended up just going with Lillard, who I think I would still prefer to have in a playoff series over Doncic. And I know a lot sure. of people may not agree with that, but I, yeah, I, I think, think that's has been – as good yeah i debated that one too i ended up settling on Doncic. um yeah i i feel like i i do think lillard is still like the better player even though i would vote Doncic ahead of him on the mvp ballot like it you're I, I think the way you put it is right like you if you need to win one series i would take the experience and um you know just kind of the overall package of lillard we've seen him do it on those type of stages but for this for this individual regular season i, I feel like Doncic is better and i typically default to the numbers for all NBA, especially. Um, and, and Dodgers' numbers are obviously historic, not only for his age, but just, just in general. Um, where, how surprised are you that LeBron has come back and immediately you know, made first team? after He snuck onto the third team last year, barely. Uh, obviously missed a lot of games. But are, are you surprised that there's, like you said, because you didn't put Davis at center, it wasn't Davis or LeBron. It's firmly LeBron as a forward. And obviously Giannis is a lock as well. Um, but even LeBron versus Kawhi doesn't seem to be a debate for anybody. You know, are you, are you surprised at all that LeBron has come back and, you know, there's still some debate, I think, as to like, who's the best player, who would you rather have between him and Kawhi or, or even Giannis? Um, but you know, I think, I think for the first time in a while, he faced some real doubt as far as his health, as far as how, you know, how he would hold up over a full season, um, just, just getting up there age wise, but to come back and kind of you know, re-solidify himself as that no-brainer first-team guy that he was like the previous 15 years, I, th- I think, to me, was at least a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, he was supposed to be the washed king, right? Okay, well, um, we, we still have not seen anyone call him that. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> also, as a, as a quick aside, how many corner threes do you think LeBron has taken this year? I'm, I'm on his page right now. I'm tempted to look, but I will not. Uh, I will say that he's taken or made? Taken. Oh boy, I can't even picture him taking one. Uh, like seven, twenty-three. Is that a lot or a little for him? I've, uh, it's been about his rate since he yeah. came back to Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Well, I see. Yeah, I'm seeing it's his lowest, lowest yeah, percentage well, of his threes ever, but that's been dwindling quite a bit. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, I think um, I wasn't I wasn't too concerned about LeBron. I mean, I was actually. I was high on LeBron because I felt like playing with Anthony Davis was the uh, opportunity that he had just been somehow he had he had never played with this kind of dominant pick and roll pick and pop like two way guy in his entire career, which I feel like we got robbed of. And like Bosch, Bosch was an opportunity for him, but Bosch ended up kind of being like a more of a traditional stretch big towards the end or small ball stretch yeah. five. But he's not he's not Davis um, on the defensive end. I mean that was I think that's the big thing. No, Bosch and Davis really aren't that similar. Um, and I think I think the opportunity to play with Davis and like as a, as a playmaker, like LeBron is going to be the best playmaker Davis has ever played with, and 
Davis is going to be the best finisher that LeBron ever played with. So yep. I think seeing LeBron be able to do this at age 35 is, uh, considering you know who's his number two, is it, it makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, my second team, I went Jokic at center, kind of a no-brainer. Kawhi at forward. I I really struggled with the other forward because, you know, like I said, I had Davis at center. So I I ended up going Jason Tatum. I don't feel great about it, but I, I have Jason Tatum as my other second team forward, and then the guards, uh, Damian Lillard, who is a lock for that one, and Chris Paul. Yeah, I uh, the, the Tatum thing... He ended up getting bumped to the third team for me, but again, that was just positionally. Yeah. Essentially, that that kind of ended up happening for me. I had uh, second team center Joel Embiid. Uh, then I went Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Ben Simmons, and Luka Doncic. Uh, but I think Ben Simmons got helped a lot by potentially the season ending. As yeah. far as like, if we're just talking games played, he really hasn't missed that much time, and he was right. only going to start missing time. So, um, and for me, I know people like people. You know, people trash on him all the time for the spacing thing, but he's been. I've watched some games for the 76ers where he is absolutely locking people down on defense. His defense has been out of control. I don't know how you score on him. Yeah, leads the league in steals. Um, yeah, I, I I really wanted to find a spot for him, and I, I honestly thought about just like fudging it and putting him at forward because of his size, but not not a great argument for that one. Um, did you consider Chris Paul, or is he firmly a third team guy for you? I did. I was having. I debated um, between like early on. I debated a lot between like Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, and uh, Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. as for a guard spot, and I ended up just going with Ben Simmons at, on the second team. Gotcha. So I do not have Embiid on my teams at all. I okay. uh, I, I went Bam over Embiid on third team. Embiid's played forty four I... games. Okay. That's part of it. Uh, the Sixers have underachieved. He, I mean, his numbers are down across the board. Uh, in virtually every statistical category, including minutes, so that's part of it. Um, but you know, he was having a, he was having a really good year defensively. He had some big like marquee games where he was just awesome on defense. You know, Christmas Day against the Bucks, you know, kind of the the main example of that. But I, I felt like he wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't fully healthy at any point this year. You can make that case, but I, I just feel like it was it wasn't the best forty four games that we've seen of him. And Bam Adebayo played twenty one more games and averaged sixteen and ten, five assists. Uh, you know. 2.5 combined steals and blocks had a better field goal percentage than Embiid. Of course, doesn't shoot threes, and that's a big part of it. Uh, but I, I felt like Bam was deserving. It's close. I, I think in in terms of the real vote, I would guess that it's Embiid at center. Uh, but I went Bam. My forwards were Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton, and my guards were Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, the uh, Embiid versus Adebayo was tough, although I, it was kind of an Embiid versus Adebayo versus Gobert thing for me. Um, and I just feel like as long as Embiid is playing, you know, I agree with with you that he's had a down year, especially offensively. Yeah, I think his defense has held up well, if not better, um, than in past years. But um, I just said I just think he's he's too crucial to their team. But third team, I went uh, Trey Young, Chris Paul, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, um, and yeah, okay. Um, I'm good yeah, with all I, those. I felt- I left Trey Young I, I off felt, my third team. I felt bad about putting Trey Young over Bradley Beal, but I don't know, man. I, I just those those two are so close for me, and I think Trey Young's passing is on like his. I, I think his passing kind of puts it over the top for me. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, he's averaging almost thirty points a game, and Beal's kind of been right there as well. They've. I, the numbers at least say that they're both they're both like equally bad on defense. Even though, like Trey Young passes the eye test in that regard, where you watch those games, you're like, this guy's not guarding anybody. Whereas with Beal, I don't I don't necessarily feel that way. And he until this year really didn't have a bad reputation on defense. And in a lot of ways, having that reputation is what can kind of kill you more than the actual numbers. But those two guys are second to last and third to last respectively in defensive plus box plus minus. And Darius Garland's the only guy who's who's worse. And when you start to when you look at who's at the bottom of this list, like it all checks out. You know, Colin Sexton, yep, Jordan Poole, yep, Bryn Forbes, yeah, I think that sounds right. D'Angelo Russell. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, I, I think those two are really close. I actually put together a fourth team, just kind of an honorable mention. Uh, and that was Gobert, Sabonis, Ingram, Beal, and Trey Young. Yeah, I I did as well. I'm now realizing I don't have I I, I picked Sabonis over out of bio. 
And real, looking at this now, I don't know. I feel like I have to look into that more. But Sabonis is definitely better on offense. Um, I don't even think there's a question about that. I mean, maybe some people would value I, – I don't know. But I, I just think he's, he's a better offensive player. Bam's defense is definitely better. There's some sort of balance to strike there. But I included Kyle Lowry, I think most notably, on my fourth team. Uh, I, I think he has been – I just think he's been great, and he's been kind of the glue, part of the glue that's holding the Raptors together. Um, he continues to be just really, I think, underrated, really good. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I I wanted to try to get Middleton on the third team, and I I just I couldn't find a way. But I, I like that you included Ingram because uh, I think he deserves some sort of recognition for what he's doing. If he doesn't win, mm-hmm. um, you know, if he doesn't win most improved. Yeah, I, th- I think he has a good chance to – to, to win that one and you know maybe even sneak on the third team although it's I think that's fairly unlikely I, I think if it you know if you're deciding between Middleton and Ingram I think the numbers are close enough that the massive gap in team success would end up favoring Middleton you know I mean he's he's technically right now he did dip under 50 40 90 which is not cool at all um he's 49.9 percent from the field so if this is it I don't know if do they round up I feel like they have to, I he respect, got, right? It was that, that 4 of 16 game in the loss to Miami and then the 5 of 19 against the Lakers are what killed him. Yeah, uh, that is actually – I didn't even realize that. I should have checked, but um, that does, will be – Does he not really, belong on third team anymore? Uh, yeah, kick him off, put on uh, <laughs> Kyle Anderson. Uh, okay, one last thing before we, we head out. Um, this is something from the roundtable as well, so you can make sure to read that on the site. Uh, fantasy-wise – which point guard would you want for the next three years? So kind of a dynasty type of scenario, assuming the salaries are the same. Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, Russell Westbrook. This was a really good question, um, and I had kind of a hard time with it. I literally wrote down on a piece of paper, like I made like a, a chart of like age, you know, fantasy yeah. rank, games played. I ended up going with Russell Westbrook. Um which surprised me a little bit, but I think he has been so um, he's been, he's been the top, you know, basically 15 fantasy player over the past uh, three seasons. If you include this one, the year before and the year before that, he's the oldest by two years, but he's actually played the second most games out of that group. Um, Obviously Kyrie Irving. I, if we're talking future, like next three years, Kyrie Irving's injury history uh, really worries me. I think, as far as Lonzo Ball goes, I'm really high on him, but I think he has a very hard ceiling as a scorer. And we, we touched on that earlier with his ability to, or lack of desire to get to the rim. And then mm-hmm. Darren Fox, I really like, but his free throw shooting is not good. His three point shooting, not great. So if he can't develop either of those, that's going to create issues for him. Um, and then Kemba Walker ended up, I think he would be my second choice, honestly, because I think he has the highest floor. Yeah, uh, he's been like a top twenty-five player in the past. I don't really envision him dipping below like fifty-five ever in this in this rank, which is like kind of where Ball is right now, where like Ball uh, and where Fox may project. So that's that's kind of how I, mm-hmm. I I I read things. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into which guys to put into this group. You know, I thought about including Chris Paul, but then like for me, it's just three years from now. It just it just seems hard to imagine that you know he's having this kind of year where he's not hurt again or you know, might even be like out of the league by that point. I, right. I, and like Kyrie is the guy, if you look at like per-game fantasy production, he's far and away the best of this group. But the, this season aside, like the injuries are becoming a real thing with him. And I, I almost feel like the fact that this has kind of been a lost season for them from the beginning because of the Durant injury, like, and just because of the person that Kyrie is and the other headlines that he generates, like this guy's been banged up for significant periods of like each of the last six seasons. And this one, you know, being the most severe of them all, missing, you know, what is he, I think he, if this was a full year, he would have missed 62 games, which is a ton. Um, so I, it's just hard to believe that, you know, even if he comes back and plays 78 games next year, what are the chances he gets over 70 the next two after that? Probably not great. So I, I think you're right to say that, that Kemba is the safest of all these. You know, he's, he's had his own injury issues this year, but prior to that, his, his bill of health was pretty clean. Um, I actually haven't written up my, my own response to this one yet, but I, I like the case for us, you know, like after watching him this year, that doesn't look like a guy who's slowing down anytime soon, maybe by year three of this hypothetical, you know, he's, he's starting to show some more signs of wear and tear. Um, but 
I mean, he looks just as athletic to me as, as he has really at any point over the last five or six years. I think maybe the concern with him is, is what we talked about with Houston early on. Like, what if this team gets broken up? Like, is he going to be allowed to play this extremely unique style that's virtually tailored around him and his limitations? Is he going to be able to play this style for the next three years? Like, I, I think that's very much up for debate. I think he'll try. I also, I also think with him, yeah, if this team does break up, I feel like any other team that would trade for Russell Westbrook would build a team like this around him. Like I don't, I don't envision a team, you know, I don't envision like the Pacers or like some other big team or whatever trading for Westbrook and then yeah. you're trying to do a Stephen Adams trading thing all with their him big again. Men. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I feel like yeah. uh, I feel like you know I feel like a team would tra- any team that would trade for Westbrook would do a five out offense like the Magic with like Jokic at, or Vucevic uh, at the five or mm-hmm. you know some other team that could go small. So I feel like no matter what happens with his where he where he's at, he'll continue to end up being in this sort of style where he. You know, it's, it's a ton of floor spacing is available. He's still a 30, 10, and 10 threat every single night, stuff like that. All right, man. I think we've exhausted all of our NBA talk. Yeah, I, I think so. What have you been doing to pass the time? <laughs> it's been, uh, oh, man, it's just been a lot of video games, honestly. I'm working out. I've been working out, I think, more than I ever have in my life. <laughs> um, Six workouts a day. It's it's like an hour. It's an hour every day. Yeah. Like it's not. I have nothing else to to do other than that and play video games. And I I actually broke out a basketball uh, and just been like just like sitting and shooting it up in the air because oh what else are you supposed to do? I know it's sad. How about you? <laughs> oh, you said you exhausted all your shows. You might actually have to buy an Xbox now, like well, a, a re, like a Xbox One. Were you gonna say a real Xbox? I have an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. <laughs> Thank you very much. That works just fine. Uh, I actually recently I recently purchased College Hoops 2K8, which was like oh, the, last, yeah. the last good one that they made before the government stepped in. And right. I was so pumped. I found it at a Goodwill. I was shopping for like a, a Goodwill. Like, yeah, my I was going to like this is like a month ago. I was going to like a costume party more or less. Where it's like you. you oh guys, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not slandering you for going to Goodwill. Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just like explaining. I was explaining. I was. I wasn't just at Goodwill. Uh, okay. I had a purpose to be there, and there was there was like a. <laughs> The Goodwill in Madison, um, the one in like the Westtown area, does these events like once a month where it'll be like Badger event, and they'll just have a ton of Badger stuff or like Packer event. This was video game event, and there was just oh. like piles and piles of video games, and I found it in there for like three bucks. And if you look it up, this game is going for like fifty dollars on eBay. Like people are, <laughs> people are not giving this game away because it was the last one made. And right. get home doesn't work. Try cleaning the disc like a hundred times. I even tried like you know, like re-scratching it. Maybe if like that'll offset the major scratch on this side, <laughs> nothing. So like, I've been devastated. That was kind of my, that was like my big plan for whenever, you know, if there's ever a pandemic and I need to stay in my house, you know, I'm going to lead the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team to the title that they rightfully deserved. And so now I can't do that. I, I bought a baseball video game a couple weeks ago, way too hard. Like I played like two games. I can't <laughs> figure it out. Like I, if it's not MVP baseball, Oh five, I basically just can't play it. Um, but I'm really not, you know, I'm not a big video game person overall. I'm more, more of a TV guy. So I, I don't know. Do you have any show recommendations for me? Oh man. Have you watched Mad Men? I've watched like the first season and a half. So I, I could dive back into that. That's actually a pretty good suggestion. My girlfriend it's, is trying to get me into Peaky Blinders. If you've watched that. Uh, I have not watched that. Okay. Um, I, the first, the first season I have of Mad Men is actually relatively slow. Um, yeah. I still think it's really like, on, on the second watch, I really enjoyed the first like season and a half. I thought because I've, I, I've seen the show twice, but um, that one I really like. I I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I also mm. assume that you've watched that. I've I've seen most of it. I I've always maintained that that's a very good show, not a great show. Like the people who like that show will like you know really fight you on that. Like to me, that's on a significantly lower tier than Parks and Rec, The Office, Veep. Like my absolute favorite comedies. Like I I like it. I just I never really loved it. Loved it. I agree with you. It's like it gets in the fix of Parks and Rec yeah. uh, slash The Office while not being there. I feel like there are moments where, like, you know, the the absolute highs of, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine are like 90% of those shows. But Oh, sure, yeah. I No, even, I would say the highs of that show are as good as any other comedy for sure. I, there are just – I don't know. I, just, I was just never able to, to fully get into it. I felt the same thing about The Good Place as well. Like that one comes highly recommended. Oh, yeah. and I, that one is even lower. I, I really didn't get that one at all. 
the the first season of The Good Place, I like really did not like. I was like, all of these jokes are canned, they're yeah. obvious. And then by the other, by like by season middle of season two, I kind of started like getting into it more, and I felt like the jokes were better, and the actual storyline was interesting. And then I ended up mm-hmm. I ended up really liking it by the end. Um, but yeah, did, I don't know. Uh, did you watch the new Westworld? Are you a Westworld guy? Not a Westworld guy, but okay. that might be one to get into. Um, yeah, I mean that's a big commitment, but it, it does look like we'll have some time. Here. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, well we'll wrap this thing up. Um, are you still recording with Shannon and Ken this week? Has that been discussed? Uh, has not been discussed. I assume I assume that we will. Okay. Um, so I may have to come into the office. Oh. Well, we have, we have a couch in here now. I don't know when that came here, but I was I was on vacation for a few <laughs> days. The couch was not here when I left, and now it is. So it's it's, it's a little bit more roomy, at least. I don't know if I is that recommended to sit on that couch and uh, with with coronavirus around and are we supposed to share couches? Uh, I mean, it's like it's like faux suede. I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it'd be super absorbent. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I sat I sat on it for like an hour today and I feel okay. Okay, good we'll see if that if that ends up being the carrier is this this couch. Oh I, man, yeah, that'll, that'll be. I would. Well, I hope well, they I... disinfect those before they ship them out. I hope so too. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk, if not later this week, you know, sometime early next week, get another episode out. Cool. Sounds good. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.